Have you ever had a deja vu moment before? Have you ever had a deja vu moment before? I'm just kidding. That's a cheap joke. The deja vu moment is when you're doing something and then all of a sudden you stop and you think to yourself, this has happened before. I've been here before and nobody else around you gets it. It's confusing. It's a little unsettling. It's a little eerie. And and nobody else shares that experience with you because you're the only one who feels that way. And when you ask, like you're in a car and you ask your friends like, hey, have we been here before? Have, I feel like this has happened before. They said, no, that's, that's just you. And you think to yourself, man, it feels like I've repeated this same experience before sometime. Well, there's a great chance that many of you feel that way in life right about now as we approach this new year. It feels like you have repeated this before. And if you're not careful, you can get in kind of a routine and start to feel like you're repeating the same day over and over again feels like the same year over and over again. And for some of you, life has lost its meaning. And when we talk about, hey, let's make some New Year's resolutions, you're like, what's the point? It doesn't matter because it just feels like we're repeating the same year over and over again. And this year is not going to be any any different than last year. What's the difference? We just turn the page on a calendar. Like, what's the big deal? And it's, it's, it's the same every year, you say to yourself. Nothing ever changes. I don't change. My life doesn't change. Nothing changes. It's all the same. It's just deja vu. How many remember Groundhog Day, that movie back in the 80s? Feels like he's repeating the same day over and over again. Or maybe a more modern day movie would be like 51st Dates. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. And it could be like the Buffalo Bills. Any Buffalo Bills fans? Okay, then I'll tell this joke. Buffalo Bills, true story, they went to the Super Bowl four years in a row, 1990, 1991, 92, 93, four years in a row, and lost the Super Bowl four times in a row. Deja vu. I was telling somebody this story, and they, they told me this today. I've never heard this today before. They, they, they told me this week, they said, do you know what Bills stands for? The Buffalo Bills, B-I-L-L-S. I said, no, what does it stand for? He said, it stands for, boy, I love losing Super Bowls. <laughs> That's messed up, but it is kind of funny. Well, regardless of what the circumstance may be, if you've ever felt like that, you're not the only one. As a matter of fact, there's a guy named Solomon in the Bible. He writes the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's not a very fun book. I mean, for chapters, he's ranting and raving about how empty life feels. He starts off the book like this. Meaningless! Exclamation point. Meaningless! Everything is utterly meaningless. That's not the best way to start off your book. But he feels, he feels so depressed. He's tried it all. He's done it all. He's smoked it all. He's slept with it all. He's, he has everything at his fingertips, all the wealth he can take, all the women he, he could want, and yet he's experienced meaningless living. Verse 3 says, What do people gain? from all their labors at which they toil under the sun. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Verse 6, the wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning to its course. All the streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full. (laughs) That's a thought. To the place where the streams come from, there they return again. Verse 8, all things are wearisome. He says, I'm just tired of it all. And more than one can say, what has been will be 
again, and what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one could say, look, this is new? And he said, nope, it's already been here. Long ago it's been here. It was here before our time. And he's so fed up and he's ranting and raving in chapter 2, verse 17. He gets to the place where he says, I just hate life. Just hate it. Hate life because the work that is done under the sun is grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. How many know that's a bad day? He's writing a book, ranting and raving about how meaningless life feels to him. And when God's not first, this is what it feels like. He's like, it just, the same thing happens every day. It's deja vu. The word deja vu, by definition, means tedious familiarity. It's tedious familiarity, meaning it's, it's, feeling, it's the feeling that you get like you've experienced the present situation before somewhere, and it just seems like it's being repeated. The word is from the French origin, which is deja vu. Everybody say deja vu. You know French now. Deja vu is from the French origin, and it means already seen. In other words, been there, done that, I've seen it already. It's just like it's repeating over and over again. And for some of you, you might be here today and you say, Sean, that's what I feel. And write this down if you're a note taker. Here's a few things to kind of diagnose if we're here. But you begin to feel like life is just so repetitive. It's just so repetitive. Like it's, it's just the same thing over and over again. And you talk about making New Year's resolutions. You're like, for what? It, there's not going to be any change. It's the same old thing over and over again. Same old, same old. When people say, hey, what's new? You say, nothing. Like literally, it's the same thing. And if you feel like life is repetitive, write this down, you also begin to feel like life is pointless. Like what's the point of all this? What's the point of believing for more? There's no sense in thinking that anything can change. You can tend to to believe and think the same way Solomon did in chapter 1 when he said history just merely repeats itself over and over again. It's, It's deja vu. And then write this down, you begin to feel trapped. This is a scary feeling. Life feels repetitive. Life feels pointless. Life feels like you're trapped. And this is scary because you feel like you can't claw your way out of this. You can't climb out. There's no way to change. And you actually stop believing God could do anything differently in your life. In other words, hope starts to dissipate to the point where right this last stage down, and this is where you settle. You settle. This is a dangerous stage because at least in this trap phase, you, you, you're trying to claw your way out. When you settle, you give up. You throw the boxing gloves off. You say, there's no point in this. I might as well just accept what the reality of where I am and stop believing for anything else to ever take place. Other people get excited about stuff, but at this point, you don't anymore. This is actually the stage where you stop setting goals for your life. You stop believing for more. You stop believing God can do anything else. You stop dreaming because nothing excites you anymore. You become bored with life. Seems repetitive and you settle. Some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, Sean, this is describing exactly how I feel right now. Okay, what if I told you that you don't have to stay there? What if I told you God has a purpose for your life? 
What if I told you that there's a specific plan etched into the hearts of all humanity, that there is a reason for your existence, there is a purpose for your life, there is a direction for your life, there's a direction for your destiny, that God wants to do something in you. And what if I told you, you do not have to live this year as a repeat year of last year, feeling so repetitive, pointless, and trapped, that this year does not have to be a year of deja vu, but God wants to make it a year of deja new. Come on. Is there anybody in the room that's grateful that with God, all things can be made new? Write this down, that God wants to make you new. He wants to make you new. It starts with us. He wants to make us new, give us a new heart, give us a new life, a new mind. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a fantastic verse. Promises that if, it's conditional, if anyone is in Christ, he said the new creation has come. That person will become brand spanking new. And then read this next part out loud with me, everybody together. The old is gone, the new is here. One more time since it's so short. The old is gone and the new is here. Notice that the old has to go. For some of us, we keep our past like that old pair of jeans. It's comfortable, but they stink. And they're ripped, but it's not the cool kind of rip. Like you need to let some stuff go in order for the new to come. We got to let something go in order in order for God to do something new inside of our life. The old is gone, he says. The new is already here. It's not coming. It's here if you're in Christ. This is not a blanket statement for the world. It is conditional. If we've given our life to Jesus, here's what you can bank on. Your life can be brand new. Not only does God want to make you new, write this down, that he wants to do a new thing in you. This is big. He wants to do a new thing in you. But there's a problem. What's the problem, Sean? We have a past. Every one of us knows the feeling of having a past that we're not proud of. You've thought some things, you've done some things, said some things, acted out in some ways that you wish you hadn't, and you can't, you can't take that back. Well, no wonder Isaiah chapter 43 goes on to say, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. God says, see I'm doing a new thing, exclamation point. And he's asking, can you see it? Now it springs up. <clears throat> Do you not perceive it? Like, can't you see this? I'm making a way in the wilderness. And guess what? I'm even bringing streams in the desert or in the wasteland. This does not have to be a repeat year of last year, ladies and gentlemen. This does not have to be deja vu. God wants to turn deja vu into deja new. He wants to make you new, and he wants to do a new thing in you. And there's some action steps that he gives us. Number one, write this down. He gives us the first action step. We've got to forget. Forget. You say, well, why? He tells us why. He tells us why we need to forget, and here it is. Because we have such a tendency to mull over and dwell on the past, and it prohibits us from seeing the new thing that God is doing right in front of our face. We're so focused on the past. We're so dwelling on the past. And he asks a question. Can you see it? Can you see the new thing I want to do in you? And sadly, oftentimes the answer is no. I can't see it, God. I, I can't perceive it. I want to, but my focus is so focused on my past. I can't see what God wants to do because my focus is on my past and it's obstructing my view. It's, it's a horrible place to be when you're focusing more on what's behind you because then you can't see what's directly in front of you. 
And we all know that feeling feels like, all of us, to the place where we say, I, I feel like my focus is on the past. I'm so focused on who hurt me. I'm so focused on what they did. I'm focused on what they said. I'm focused on how I was left out, talked about, dumped, and, and excluded. I'm so focused on that that I can't focus on the future. I'm so focused on the past of my pain and my failure and the guilt and the shame that it has rendered me powerless and incapable of believing God for something new. I'm stuck. I don't want to be stuck. But we say we're stuck, God, dwelling on the past, and it is consuming me. I'm confused. I'm consumed. I feel stuck. And the definition of stuck means to live in a specified place. Many of you know what it feels like to live in one, you've been stuck in one place for years and you haven't been able to break free from that. And God's been trying to get your attention like, hey, over here, I want to take you to a new place, but we're stuck in the old place. And anytime God's trying to get us to come to a new season, we are incapable of moving because we can't even see it. We, we, we start to say, God, anytime I look into my future, like I gaze for a second to think, what could my future look like? I'm depressed because all I see is a wasteland. All I see is a desert. I feel like I'm in a spiritual wilderness. I feel so dry spiritually. I have no motivation to move forward because I'm quite comfortable with being uncomfortable. I don't like it, but it's where I am. I'm not happy but it's what's familiar. I wish I had a couple people in here that knew exactly what I'm talking about. Come on, is anybody, can, can anybody relate to feeling stuck where you are desperately wanting God to do something new inside of your life, but you are too preoccupied with your past to see it? No wonder God says, forget it. Like, I need you to forget that. Stop dwelling on the past. And then he says, I would need you to see something. I need you to see something, not with your physical eyes, but with eyes of faith, to see the new thing that God wants to do inside of your life. We look at it for a moment. We get insecure. We think, well, God, I don't think, I, I don't think that can happen. I, I don't feel like I'm there. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm in a dry place spiritually. And I feel like I'm in a wilderness. And thank God Almighty, that's the place where God in His infinite love and His mercy steps in and says, that's okay, son. That's okay, daughter, because I am the Almighty God. Nothing is too hard for me and nothing will be impossible with me on your side. And He comes in and says, I know you may feel like you're in the wilderness, but I'm the God who can make a way in the wilderness. I know you might feel like you're in a desert, but God says, I'm the God who can cause streams of living water to flow and refresh your life right here and right now. Come on. Is there anybody that's glad that God can make a way where there seems to be no way? It's God. But he tells you, forget it. Turn and tell somebody, forget it. Come on, tell them, forget it, forget it, forget it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You got to forget it. If you want to go where God wants you to go, you're going to have to forget some stuff. Now listen to me. We are incapable of forgetting on our own. If we want to learn how to forget, then we must be forgiven. Can't forget on our own. No wonder God wants to be first. Write this down in your notes, everybody. The very first step of 2017 is let's put God first. Let's put God first. 1 John 1.9 says this. Here's great news. Again, another conditional statement. If anyone, if we confess our sin, he is faithful 
and he is just. He will forgive our sins, not just forgive you, he will purify you from all unrighteousness. That's great news, by the way. Meaning all the guilt and shame of our past can be gone because God has the ability to forget our past. But we can't forget our past unless we're forgiven. And God says, no worries, I got that covered too. If you come to me, I'll forgive you right here and right now. That's great news. And I believe it's important that we turn in 2017 and we give the controls of our life to Jesus. On stage with me today, I have the one and only retro old school Nintendo. Come on, wave at me if you had one of these. This was amazing. I'm talking about when we had real games. Not Halo, Call of Duty, and Madden. I'm talking about Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, and Contra. Come on, somebody. We didn't need 17 buttons on a remote control. We had two buttons, A and B. That's all we needed. And when we played, if you knew the cheat code to Contra, say it out loud with me. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, B, select, start. Ninety-nine extra men. Bam. That's all we needed. If the game didn't work, you didn't go get a new game. You just took it out and blew on it. <laughs> Put that thing back. It worked like a champ. This. <laughs> it's when, it's when, we, when you used to play, it was just you and the system. You weren't playing some sixth grader in Czechoslovakia <laughs> on a headset talking smack. <laughs> Last week, I was at my brother's house playing, playing some video game with my nephew, Seth. And as we're playing, I wasn't very good. I think it was Halo or something. And I didn't realize that as we were playing, we were playing with other people around the world. Like we're all in one game, but we're playing people via the Internet. And I didn't do very good at all. I said, that's all for me. Afterwards, he came up to me and said, did you see what they said about you? I said, who? <laughs> he, he, said, he said, the other people who were, who were playing with you. I said, I thought it was just you and me in the room. He said, no, there was a bunch of people, and they had a lot to say. I said, well, what'd they say? And he said, like he started reading, he said, you stink. Get out of here. You don't belong here. I mean, just... I thought, I will hunt you down and beat you with a remote control. <laughs> Talking smack. Duck hunt. You remember what duck hunt was like. You weren't very good at five paces. So you got right up to the TV, didn't you? <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> I remember one time I was playing this game. I'll never forget my, my parents got me Nintendo for Christmas one year and I screamed. I was so excited. I was playing a game, though, and my friend was better at the game than I was. He had beaten the game I wasn't able to. He'd beaten the level I was on, and I was stuck on. And he kept asking me, Sean, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. To which I was like, no, and, and I, I want to do it myself. And I kept dying. So finally, he looks at me. He's like, let me help you. Let me help you. So I give the controls to him, and he starts to beat the level. But I grow impatient 
because he's taking too long, and I grab the controller back, and then I die again. (laughs) This is a great analogy for what many of us have done with God. At some point in our life, we've given our life and the controls of our life to God, and we say, God, I'm giving my life to you. And then God takes control. He's an expert at this level. He's been here before. He knows what he's doing, and he knows how to win. But in our impatience, we look at God and we say, God, you're taking too long. And many times we grab the controller back to our own life and pretty soon we find ourselves crashing again. What would happen, ladies and gentlemen, if this year we gave the controls of our life inexorably to God who knows the way, who can beat the level? Come on, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. What if we said, God, in 2017, we're giving you the controllers and we don't want it back? Because you're the only one who knows the way. I'm telling you, what would happen if we did that? God would bless the rest. If we put God first, there's a repentance that comes in our heart where we turn around. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. That's part of it. But it's also a changing of directions. What if this year we change directions? Where we forget and we put God first and then write this down, number three. We live intentionally. This is the third step, to live intentionally. And I feel like this is a word in prayer God always gives me a word for the church for the year. and I feel like with great grace and great growth that many of us are now going to know and learn what it lives, means to live a life of intentionality. Okay, look at me, everybody. Most people do not live intentionally. Most people live accidentally. Just whatever comes their way, they deal with it. There's not really a plan. There's not really a procedure. There's not a process. It's just like whatever And I'm praying that this year be a year of intention for all of us. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Now, if we want this, it's going to require some decisions that need to be made. Environments don't change people. A lot of people were in the environment of Jesus Christ and they left unchanged. Environments don't change people. It's the decisions you make in an environment that changes your life. The people that come to church, church does not change your life just because you come to church. Your life is changed when you make a decision in this environment and you leave and you follow through with that decision. That's what we're trying to encourage all of us to do. What if this year was different? And you've heard it said before, if you want something you've never had before, then you've got to do something you've never done before. We believe that God has a purpose for your life and a plan, and it's these four things. We believe that God wants you to know Him. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Now listen to me. These things don't happen on accident. The people who arrive here are those who live with incredible intentionality. They are, they are intentional living, intentionally living according to the Word of God. And the people who arrive here, they understand what it means. And in this church, here's what we would recommend. Number one, join the church. Your next opportunity to do that is tonight at 5.15. And I believe with all my heart, God wants to do something in your life. And that doesn't happen apart from a church. A lot of people think, well, I find purpose by coming to church. You don't just find purpose by coming to church. You've got to take a couple steps. Become a part of the family. We are a family. We are an army. We want to change the world, and we're going to have fun doing it. Can I hear an amen, somebody? So join the church, and then go through our growth track. We had so many people join the church today. It's incredible. I love when people take a step towards God. And then go through the growth track, get on the dream team and start serving somewhere because you'll never know what purpose feels like until you're making a difference in somebody else's life. And then get in a small group. We have small groups that are starting in February 
And many of you in this room and many listening on, online, you need to lead a small group. God's kind of put that on your heart. And you need to grab a friend and say, hey, co-lead with me. I can't make all of them, but I feel like we're supposed to do this. And you can gather for any reason. Here's the beauty of our small groups. You say, what's a small group? It's a group that's small. And then you gather once a week for 13 weeks. And then that's it. That's a semester, 13 weeks. And you're building relationship with people going the same way as you. So it can gather, or you can gather around basketball, video games, cooking, Bible study, prayer, worship, whatever. You can gather for almost any reason. And I want to encourage you this day, sign up because we need to know who's going to serve and who's going to help us lead people and pastor people in relationship because that's how it's done. We pastor people through small groups. I'm telling you, God, God has a plan. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. Make a difference. If you let us pastor you, we'll take you on a journey. It'll change your life. Give us one year of your life. Take the one-year challenge. Come to the church for a year, one year. Apply the principles we give you on Sundays. Go through the growth track. Get on the dream team. Get in a small group. I guarantee you your life will be better. It's not being arrogant or cocky. It's just we know God's word really works. And we've been doing this for years. Nobody's ever come back and said, Sean, it didn't work. Everybody really about three months in says, Sean, you were right. To which I respond, I know. Because God's word is amazing. Come on, how many think God's word is amazing? Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. He's echoing Isaiah 43. Remember, forget the former things. Don't do on the past. I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to bring streams in the desert. He says this now. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. In other words, I haven't arrived yet. Come on, is there anybody here that hadn't arrived yet? I, we haven't arrived yet, but this one thing. Everybody say one thing. Notice he says one thing, but then he gives you two. Interesting fact, because he doesn't, he, this was never expected to be a two-step process. It is one motion. He says, the one thing I have learned about, and that is this, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. You can't just forget without straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the what? Shout it out. The goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is amazing to me. He says there's a forgetting and there's a straining. There's a forgetting and then there's a, there's a, there's a pressing forward to something, the next goal that God has for my life. You don't want to miss the next few weeks of the message series because in Deja New, I'm going to teach you how to attain your goals, how to get there really this year. And, and I'm just asking the questions like, what if this year was different? What if it wasn't deja vu? What if God does want to do something new? What if we gave the year to God? What if we gave the first part of the year to God? What if we honored him and actually applied the word of God to our life this year? What would happen? Because I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, there is a war going on inside of your life. Every year it's highlighted around this area. And here's the war. It's the difference between the life you are currently living and the life you could be living. That's why we make New Year's resolutions. Because we don't like where we are. And we like to get to where we'd like to be, but we're, not un we're unclear. We're unsure of how to get there. And I want to help you over the next few weeks to get to that place. Here's the major problem. The major problem is we're not connected to God, and we're too connected to the world. We have too much of the world in us to go where God wants us to go. And Jesus gave the solution in Matthew chapter 17. Look in your notes or on the screen. 
The disciples came to Jesus privately and they said to him, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, what are they talking about? Well, the disciples went in the name of the Lord and the power of God, and then they got to a place where they couldn't, they couldn't like cast this devil out of the, the demon out of this person, and, and it wasn't pretty. They came back to Jesus with their tail between their legs, like, what happened? And Jesus said to them in verse 20, because of your unbelief, like, hey, where's your faith at? Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And watch this, nothing will be impossible for you. How many would like nothing to be impossible for you? Okay, I feel like that's important. And he's asking, he's like, how's your faith level? He says, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, and my, most people teach like if it's just small faith, and, but how many times did Jesus like rebuke little faith? Like, oh, you have little faith. My dad taught me this a long time ago that he believes that it's growing faith. Like if your faith is growing, he says you can move mountains. The mountains in your life that you have felt for years are immovable. You can speak to, walk through, and go through in the name of the Lord. This year can be different. And nothing can be impossible. Or nothing would be impossible if we apply this principle. Then 21, look at verse 21. He says, however, this kind does not come out or go out except by Two words, prayer and fasting. Okay, many people have never been taught about fasting. We do a 21-day prayer and fasting season every year in the beginning of January. Let me tell you what it does. Prayer, write this down, connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God. How much time do we spend praying, talking to God? If, you, if most people were asked to pray, like, hey, could you just come up here and close in prayer? Most of you would die. You would live, your heart would just stop because you're, oh, I don't know what to say. You try to sound like somebody else. I beseech thee, thy Father, for thy bountiful blessings which thou hast benevolently provided for thee. What are you saying? There's a performance anxiety that comes with prayer. And I want to release you today from that. You say, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk. Just talk to God. That's what prayer is. It's talking to God. I release you from feeling like you have to pray in King James Version English, ladies and gentlemen. Just talk to him. Many days I wake up, I'm like, God, I'm so tired. But I love you, and I know you have a plan for this day. What if we just started talking to him, communicating? Communication is the number one need of any relationship. Talk to God, and then he talks to you in your spirit and your heart and even in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, what if this year we read the Bible? Come on, Christians, at some point you're going to have to read this book. What if that was this year? Download the one-year Bible, the app. It's called the one-year Bible, version, Y-O-U-Version.com. You can go there. What if we did that? It'll give you the, the verses to read, the passages of Scripture every single day, 15 minutes a day can save you on your car insurance, and also 15 minutes a day can save you a lot of bad decisions when you have the Word of God inside of you. Come on, everybody. Because society all around us right now does not have a, a high respect for the Bible. They are trying to tell you, teach you value systems from the world and ignoring the truth and Bible facts, and we don't know the difference if we don't know the Bible. So we've got to come back and read the Bible. I'm not even talking about studying it. Just read it. Start to read it first, and your life will come alive. The prayer, prayer connects us to God. Community connects us to people. 
But I'm telling you, we need this with God. Intimacy, closeness can take place. And then fasting, write this down. Here's what fasting does. It disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us to God, but fasting disconnects us from the world. We have so much of the world in us. We think like the world is not a whole lot of difference in a lot of, but like between a Christian and an unbeliever. And there, there should be some change with that. We ought to love like Jesus loves. We ought to forgive like Jesus forgives. We ought to walk like Jesus walks. But that only comes through disconnecting for a season. And in the process of that, let me, hear, let me tell you what happened. Your spirit will come alive. Okay, listen to me. This can be the best year of your life if, if it's the best year spiritually. If it's the best year spiritually. We need God. Charles and John Wesley, preachers from many years ago, they would fast two days a week just to keep their flesh under control. Like to deny the cravings of the flesh. What does your body crave more than anything else in the world? Food. I'm so hungry right now. Your body craves food. Well, by putting that craving down, at some point your spirit has got to be able to tell your flesh, your body, what to do. If you can't say no to a cheeseburger, how would you say no to an affair? The cravings of our body are so strong. We want this. We want it. Our body wants to eat food. We eat it. Our body wants to sleep with this person. We do that. Our body wants to drink this, smoke that, go there, do that. And our spirit man is so weak. We're like, our spirit man is like, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. Would you mind, please, just for a second? Don't go there. I mean, our body's like, (laughs) what would happen, ladies and gentlemen, if we got our spirit man, we started to bulk it up a little bit, and we started to get to a place where our spirit can tell our flesh no sometimes. 21 days of prayer and fastings begin tomorrow. (laughs) I know many people aren't cheering. You're like, yay. So glad about that. Okay, let me explain some things about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Ever since we've been doing this for the last seven, eight years, God has blessed our church like crazy. Here's what we're doing. We're giving the first year, I mean, first part of the year to God. Anytime you give God the first of something, he blesses the rest. Give God the first of your money, the tithe, he blesses the rest. First of your time in a relationship, he blesses the rest. First of the time of your week, like Sundays or the first of the year, he blesses the rest. It's just what he does. Now, we want to encourage not just dieting. <laughs> Some of you are like, I just don't, we're not going to eat? Really? <laughs> Let me explain how this works. We want to replace our eating with prayer, with worship, with reading the Bible. It's going to be amazing. And for the next 21 days, Monday through Friday, we're going to have morning prayer from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. right here in this room. So starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we're going to have prayer here, and we're going to have this, this stage filled with prayer requests of people that, that ask for prayer today, and we're going to pray over those tomorrow morning. We're going to just worship. And then Thursday nights, Thursday nights at 7.30, we're going to have nights of worship where we come in, we worship, we pray. It's going to be an amazing time where we're feeding our spirit. Let me tell you, you can do, you can do this. As soon as I said prayer and fasting, I know a lot of you are like, can't do that. Count me out. Listen, God would not ask you to do something he knew you couldn't do. We can all do something. My girls have been praying and fasting since they were like six years old. So we can all do something. And let me encourage you about the different types of fasts, okay? There's the, there's the first fast, which is a complete fast. That's where you're just drinking waters, juices, and uh, what I do 
is I'll juice my own juice. And here's the trick. You have to drink every 10 minutes. Don't treat it like a meal because you will start, you're like, you're, there will be like a demon in your stomach. You need to drink every 10 minutes or so. Keep the hunger pain away. And, and let the hunger pains be a reminder to pray. But the beets, I've juiced beets. That's like the high energy food. And I, I have so much energy, man. It's like an energy drink for me. I'm going to the gym. I'm preaching. I, I don't have a lack of energy at all. So for those of us that work in, in uh, strenuous kind of things or maybe whatever you're thinking, I can't do that, there are ways. Now, consult your physician, your doctor. Be smart about this. If you have health issues or whatever, get their approval. But we can all do something. Now, a complete fast is when you're fasting liquids. You're just drinking liquids, waters, juices, and no, blending up a cheeseburger does not count. I know some of you are thinking, like, I, in and out, just... That's a complete fast. Okay, for some of you that have never fasted before, okay, forget what I just said. Let me give you a different fast, okay? Here's another fast. This is a selective fast. This is what we've called maybe the Daniel fast, or you, you remove certain items from your, your diet, like no meats, no sweets, no carb treats, like all the fun stuff, and you're just eating fruits, vegetables, and whole grains kind of stuff, and, and no dairy, whatever. You can, you can do and adjust it however you want to, okay? We don't tell you how to do it. We just offer a bunch of op options. This is a Daniel fast. This is a great fast to begin with. And, and, and it's still, it still counts. Some of you are like, does that count? It still counts. And it's a great way to, to implement. Here's another one. There's a partial fast, otherwise known as a Jewish fast, or you fast all day and you eat, you know, at dinner, dinner time. That's another way that you can do this. And then these are, the, these are biblical fasts. And then we add one that we don't see in the Bible, but it's a great idea. It's a soul fast. A soul fast is where we, during the time where we're not eating, because biblical fasts are food, by the way. Some people are like, I'm just going to give up iPods. Well, unless you eat iPods, it's not a biblical fast. So um, what we're going to do is, in addition to a food fast of some sort, now we, we do away with movies, TV, Netflix, video games. And I know right now there's a teenager that's like, Mom, we need to change churches. This guy is off his rocker. Some of you, when I say that, like, hey, no TV. That's the, hey, let's not do TV for 21 days. No movies. Some of you are like, I, I, can't, I can't breathe. That's how your soul has been feeling for most of the year. What if we switched it and begin to feed our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions in prayer and in worship and in the Word? What if we gave the first part of the year to God? I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God will bless the rest. And then write this down, have high expectations. Have high expectations. I want you in this fast, the beginning of the year, let's believe God for great things. Let's believe him for extravagant things. Let's believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's believe that he is the author and finisher of our, of our faith. That he who began a good work in you actually will be faithful to complete it. Coach Well wrote an article this last week, and they, they talked about how Nike has announced their desire and their commitment to break the world record for the fastest marathon. Their goal is to run 26.2 miles in under two hours. Most people are saying this is ludicrous. This is physiologically impossible. And yet, Nike has high expectations. They got three guys. And they're dumping money into them. 
training them, getting them prepared because they believe that they're going to break the record. Now in life, oftentimes we're told, hey, be realistic. Settle down with all your dreaming, guy. I want you to be realistic. Rarely are we told to have high expectations, to dream big. I want to challenge that thinking. I want you to dream big. I want you to have high expectations and believe God for great things. And what's the biggest thing that can go wrong? Like maybe you don't reach your goal. Maybe you look a little foolish in front of some people. Who cares? But what if it works? What if this year actually is the best year of your life? What if we actually don't have to repeat the year of deja vu? Now, Nike did not just say, hey, we got high expectations for these guys to finish under two hours. No, they've dumped millions of dollars into that. They, they put time in that. They're sacrificed. The runners are training. There's a lot that they're doing in order to reach their goal. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that this year could be the best year yet. It doesn't have to be deja vu. It could be deja new. This, this is going to require some stuff from us. It's going to require us to make some decisions, to sacrifice, to live intentionally, to forget some things, to grab a hold of the new thing that God is doing. And I'm praying, let this 21-day fast kickstart the year for us because I still believe we have a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power of God that He wants to work inside of us. Let Him work in you this year. And I believe with all my heart, God is going to kick this year off the right way. Amen, everybody. On your way out, you'll get one of these bracelets if you visit the prayer table. It just says, pray first. Just a way to remind yourself to pray first. Decisions. and It trains us for the year. But give me your heart for just a moment. You can put your things away in a minute. Maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, my life isn't right with God. And I need it to be. Well, in just a moment, I'd love to lead you in a commitment prayer that you could pray right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front because our heart's not to embarrass you. It's to connect you to God. But maybe you're here and you say, Sean, my life isn't right. I need God to do something in, in me. Maybe you've never given the controls of your life to him. And today in this prayer, that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, God, here's the controller of my life. I want you to be in charge. Let your word be my authority. There's others of you that maybe you were once close to God at one time, but you've drifted away. You've strayed. What, what about you? The great thing about the Nintendo was that any time that there was a glitch in a game and it froze, it's not only a power button, there's a second button. It's called a reset button. It didn't matter where that game glitched and froze and got stuck. You press this reset button and immediately it would start off brand new. For some of you, that's a great picture of what God wants to do in your life. You feel stuck. You feel like there's been a glitch. Allow God to come in today with his love and his grace and press reset on your life to make all things new again.